0: True Connections is a journey within, to discover that you are part of everything. Life can often feel disjointed, but you and I are actually connected to one another, to nature, to animals, and many other ways like your thoughts, intentions, dreams, even your imagination. It's my desire to bring spiritual insight to these true connections so that you can get into the flow of life. Receive the things that you want without struggle and enjoy a more constant level of happiness. I am Weston Jolly, your host. Please don't judge me. When I was in elementary school, I thought this kid at school smelled. His hair was greasy and not combed, and his clothes were constantly dirty and wrinkly. Every day, he looked like he just woke up and grabbed whatever was on the floor and and dressed accordingly. Nothing ever matched. I guess because of all of the above, I didn't like the kid. He bugged me. In fact, he was a walking pig pen from the cartoon Charlie Brown. I wanted to have nothing to do with him. It made it tough though, because Michael, not his real name, lived in our middle class neighborhood. What I'm really saying is I couldn't avoid seeing or being around Michael. He rode the same school bus I did, and we also had the same homeroom teacher in 6th grade. This made it impossible for me to get away from him. I despised Michael. I'll put it another way. I judged Michael. I could try and justify my thoughts and feelings, but I won't. I simply saw Michael as different than me. I'm not proud of my actions, but I'm happy to express the truth, and also to tell you The rest of the story. I knew exactly where Michael lived. I'm pretty sure that I did from day one. That said, it would be some four years later before I actually stepped onto his property, knocked on the door, and went inside. The day I did forever changed my life. The smell that was synonymous with Michael was nothing compared to the wretched odor that came from the house. It wasn't just one smell. It was a combination of things unimaginable. I was overwhelmed. The floor was covered in clothes, newspapers, large remnants of food, dishes, utensils, and yes, even dog poop. And that wasn't just a one-time observation. Every time I took a step into the house, I was walking on something. As hard as I tried not to, I was always stepping on something on the floor. I walked into the living room, past the kitchen and I won't even go there to explain what was happening in that part of the house except to say it would have made a wonderful place to study mold and god knows what are the kinds of fungus and bacteria I got to Michael's room and I saw his mattress which was dirty old and mostly bare with some filthy torn sheets kind of covering the bottom I don't remember there being a bed frame but I'm pretty sure that there was Dirty clothes were everywhere, not just in Michael's rooms, but throughout the entirety of the house. I just couldn't let myself look into the bathroom. It was clear that Michael and his brother were basically living on his own. Something was wrong. Way wrong. I had one of the strongest paradigm shifts I've ever had. Clearly, Michael's B.O. was something putrid, but after I walked into his house, I began having some inclination as to why. I'm not sure if anyone was parenting him. Further, I'm not real sure what or when they were eating, and it was apparent that Michael was trying to live and take care of himself, but he didn't know how. I remember leaving Michael's house, and I felt so bad for all of my years of judgment. It wasn't just a little judgment. I had been scornful. I remember these feelings like yesterday, and to say I'm sorry would be an understatement. All of my judgment for Michael in an instant turned to compassion for what was going on in, quote, unquote, his home. I'm not sure his living conditions were any better than someone who was homeless. Sure, he had a roof and a bed, but the conditions of the house would turn anyone's stomach. It was that bad. And my observations then didn't allow me to fully take in the psychological or emotional impacts of anything else beyond the living conditions. I'll never forget it. I had judged Michael and badly. I had no idea what was going on in his life. I had been uber-focused on his smell, dress, and generally weird behavior. Judgment isn't what you think it is. From a broad perspective, and even more importantly, from a divine perspective, judgment isn't real. Let me explain. All acts of judgment are acts of separation from the divine. Most importantly, each act of judgment is a personal rejection of the self in one way or another. In summary, there is no such thing as judgment you're really going to want to digest this. So please let me say it all over again. Judgment isn't real. From a divine perspective, it's only us separating ourselves through judgment on this earth plane that we perceive as real. Even though this statement is completely true, you're going to be pulled into judgment at one time or another. And since judgment appears to be true on this earth plane, I want to offer you some interim suggestions. What I mean by interim is that you are encouraged to maintain the knowledge, the divine knowledge, that judgment isn't real. First, on the earth plane, allow me to explain that judgment is a word or a concept that can be reduced to another word called separation. Separating yourself from the divine is what the mind does, and judgment is a great tool to make it happen. If I were going to create a division between you and the real you, I'd use judgment. Judgment is that good as a fulcrum. It can create separation from the real you and that which isn't. The definition of this kind of judgment is without facts of any kind. Judgment isn't just an opinion, it's condemnation. Condemnation of who somebody is, what they are, what they do, and how they do it. The sentence... Stormy Daniels is a porn star is grammatically accurate. But how does it change when it is said that Stormy Daniels is an adult film star? Further, how do you feel to learn that Stormy Daniels is in fact Stephanie Clifford? How different is it for you to hear Michael Caine is a true gentleman? It's also correct to say that Michael Caine is a film star for adults. At least, I'm not aware if he's done any children's films. And how do you feel to learn that Michael Caine is, in fact, Maurice Joseph Micklewhite? And the pop star Pink, which obviously isn't her real name, has some interesting origins about how this nickname came to be. If you don't know the story... It's not that big a deal. If you do, then all I'm trying to share with you is how easy it can be to judge. And I'm asking you to really think about this. After all, judgment isn't real. Words by themselves can be judgmental, can't they? If it isn't the words, then it can be how they're verbalized. Let me read you the same sentence with different voice inflections to make a point of how the words can stay the same But the meaning can change based upon how they're spoken. A friend of mine is gay. 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 gay. In fact, Gay, which is her given name, is a very true friend of mine. I'd guarantee you'd adore her. Actually, let me share a little bit more here. I reached out to Gay to seek her permission about my sharing her name, and she wrote me the following. Having the name Gay certainly elicits different looks and discomfort with some people. Some people won't even say my name, like in Starbucks. This is my point. Imagine people not saying your name because of their discomfort, because of their judgment. Can you imagine people not saying your name? Think about that for a moment. Let me make a distinction between judgment and discernment. Judgment in a flagrant state is prejudice. You learn to hate or fear something you don't even know. My dad hated cats. He was insanely prejudiced against cats. There was no reason. And if any reason was offered, he'd just make it up. Discernment is your preference. Having a preference is not judgmental until you despise everyone that doesn't think or believe the same way that you do. This can be a slippery road. Today, I don't eat meat. Five years ago, I did. My judging people who eat meat would be as ridiculous as judging those who don't. This is a clear example of enjoying a preference. Staying within your preference is easy when you're actually comfortable with it. If you're not comfortable with your preference, this is when judgment stands before you, enticing you like a piece of candy. The moment you jump into judgment, you're actually practicing separation. It's easy to do, and it's like eating candy. It can be a little harder to stop once your taste buds jump in and demand more. Can you see yourself wanting more candy? We want more candy. We want more candy. Now replace the word candy with the word judgment. We want more judgment. We want more judgment. It's pretty silly. Judgment, energetically, is just under the word prejudice, whereby you're condemning someone, or something without any facts. Presumptions and innuendos and illogical opinions are sometimes used, if at all. No facts, no understanding. Judgment is all about separation. You versus whatever. Pure and simple. Judgment could be summarized in the thought that you're doing right and they are doing it wrong. Judgment works like a really good adhesive, if we do it right, we can get the other party to actually get stuck to it. What I mean is, if you judge people strong enough, they might even choose to judge themselves. Think of superglue. If I'm judging you, then I'm trying to touch you with superglue on my hands. If you've ever used this kind of glue, it sticks fast. And in this case, you're just as stuck as the person is that you're trying to influence with your judgment. I've always said that fear loves friends and family, and this is true, too, for judgment. Judgment loves friends and family. But again, remember the superglue. Everyone participating in judgment is stuck. While friends and family teach judgment, it doesn't have to be limited to these small groups. I'm reminded of a story of a community's impact and how judgment sticks and how it can also destroy lives. This story is personal. I knew a girl in church who my partner and I mentored in the youth program. She was a lovely young girl, and in time, she met someone, and they had a family of their own. Our young friend's husband was a writer, and he also had a talent for speaking and was becoming known in the church for touching stories of compassion. Then, the unthinkable happened. The woman who we'd known since she was 13 or 14 years old was involved in an accident. The family was traveling in Europe. Her husband was driving with his lovely wife in the front passenger seat and their two infant-sized children strapped into their car seats into the back. The car just traversed a hill and upon climbing to the top they were struck full speed by a vehicle on one side. The young mother of two instantly lost both of her children. Additionally, her and her husband were in intensive care for months before being removed to heal in two general rooms in the hospital. Their injuries had been severely life-threatening, and their healing was deeply complicated by the loss of both of their children. Then something else happened. I know because I heard it directly from the woman. While our friend and her marital partner were in the hospital, people from all around the world in this church began to write them. To be fair, some of the letters were truly loving and upbeat. The other letters were pure judgment. Like poison, these letters described how our friend and her husband were being punished. In these letters, it stated it was God who was punishing her and her husband. They had done something wrong, and God was now judging them, as he had done so, by taking the lives of their two small babies. I remember our friend sharing this with me personally, devoid of all emotion. She was numb. I was in total disbelief. My mouth had dropped to the floor, and I said, I'm sure there was only one or two, and Before I could continue, my friend looked at me eye to eye and said, No, there had been hundreds. I said, still in disbelief, You and your husband received hundreds of letters from people that claimed that you're being punished and judged by God? My young friend nodded solemnly and looked again down to the ground. I grabbed her hand and emotionally said, This isn't true. I know she heard my words and I hoped the touch of my hand would be felt sincerely in love that she would listen to me that this judgment wasn't true. But it was too late. The superglue of judgment had stuck and this too was the very reason she was now getting a divorce. My young friend had begun to wonder if her husband had done something wrong in driving their family. And as she began to judge him, her lifelong partner and true soulmate, their lives went in different directions, all because of judgment. As you can imagine, my friend left the community of the church with its glorious mission statements of love. It would be unfair and equally with judgment to say that everyone in this community participated in this way because they didn't. But the real challenge is letting the judgment go once you've stepped into it. This isn't the community's responsibility. It's ours. In summary, if I've shared something of value with you at all in this podcast, let it be known that judgment isn't real. All judgment is a personal act of separation against your divinity. The only reason that judgment is alive is that it tends to stick, but only if you allow it. And if you truly allow it, It can follow you to the grave. Thankfully, this is where it will stay. If judgment is alive today, it's only because you are keeping it that way. If you'd prefer not to carry it, then you'll remember my childhood classmate, Michael, who doesn't smell because all he was trying to do was survive under the most challenging of conditions. Additionally, I hope that you'll remember my young friend and what judgment cost her. She lost her children because of an accident. She and her husband almost died too. I know both of these deeply loving parents would have gladly traded their lives in behalf of their children. Then judgment came calling and it stuck. Thankfully, I'm glad to say that it didn't stay forever. In time, my friend sought help and began to release the idea of judgment from her life in the same way that it is my hope that you'll do the same. Please, don't judge me. For us to make true connections, we have to engage. I really want to hear your comments, so please leave a review at westonjollycom forward slash review, or go to iTunes and give me your thoughts there. This helps our connection, and it's a tremendous help to others, too. Everything we do is designed to offer you a deeper spiritual connection within. You can also make a personal appointment with me, Weston Jolly, right now by going to westonjolly.com. Also, check out my current events, books, and other products. Also, my free newsletter. Thank you for joining me, Weston Jolly, for my podcast, True Connections.